We're in this series called You Asked For It. You asked for it, and you did. And so uh, we're going to get right into that in just a moment. But before we do that, we want to uh, welcome our guests. And we do have first-time guests with us again today. And if you're here, for, and it's great to see people back today that was first time last Sunday. By the way, welcome back. I see many faces back for the second time, and God bless you. And, uh, but if you're a first-time guest today, we want to just take a moment to especially welcome you. As Heather said on the way in, you received a worship guide. There's some information there. Please look at that. Also, the Connect card. We'd love for you to fill that out if you don't mind today. We promise you it's hassle-free. No one's going to be bothering you, harassing you uh, for that information. We would just like to have record of your attendance and let you know of upcoming events. And we have big events here at the church, block parties, fall festivals, things like that, that you and your family can come out and join us. And so if you'll do us a favor, fill that Connect card out. We prefer, if you will, go by the Connect Center. You can drop it off right there to some friendly people. And whether you turn the card in or not, please go by the Connect Center after service because we have a bag of some really nice gifts that we'd like to give you as a small thank you for being with us today. So TC family, will you join me and let's welcome our first-time guests. God bless you. Thank you for being with us again today. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. You asked for it, get your notes out. This is a series. Every Easter, we'll be doing a survey like we did and just saying, what do you want to hear? What, what topics are really uh, part of your life that we could help you in a message series? And so last Easter, we asked you to do a survey. And the top areas that, that we dealt with and that you asked for and we're dealing with this month, number one was, are we living in the last days? We, we talked about that. And then the second most requested was, how do I change my life? I know there's areas I need to change, but how do I change? change, and we talked to you about that last Sunday. The third most requested was what we're going to deal with today is how do I deal with discouragement? Right. Anybody in here ever been discouraged? Yeah. The rest of you got this truth and non-truth issue going on, okay? Because uh, life brings us some stuff, doesn't it? And uh, unexpected, undesirable things. And the next Sunday is going to be number four, and that's how do I deal with stress? And so we're going to cover you this month, all right? Get your notes out and let's go. How do I overcome discouragement? Discouragement is a loss of hope, confidence, and enthusiasm. That, that I lose hope, that I lose confidence in life, that, that I've lost my enthusiasm of waking up in the morning and really wanting to go through. How many just woke up some mornings and going, oh, I wish that sun would go right back down and, and me not have to deal with this day? And, and that's, that's a sign of discouragement. And here, you can write these in. Here's three things that define discouragement. Number one, discouragement is the dissatisfaction with the past. There, there's some stuff in your past that's not going away. And, and it keeps to come back to haunt you, and you're, you're reliving the hurts and the pains and the failures and disappointments of your past. Number two, discouragement is a distaste of the present. Now, there's some stuff going on right now that you really don't enjoy. There's some things that has happened in your life that you prefer not to be going on, uh, undesirable situations and, and painful situations. And, and then number three is a distrust for the future. A total distrust for the future, and when you allow these three things to start taking place, that how many's got some junk in the trunk? You know, some stuff back there that you really wish you had not had to go through, and some of it was our own doings, and some of it was other people's actions against us that were very offensive and hurtful. And there's some stuff in the past, and if you're not careful, it'll remain your present. And, and then there's this distaste of the present because many of us, my family's going through it. There's some stuff going on that we would prefer not to be going through. 
with our, my brother and my grandson, and, and it's distasteful, and if I'm not careful, it can own my day. And, and then when your past is still coming against you and today's you're going through some pain, it makes you wonder if tomorrow's misery is going to be worse than today's pain. And you find yourself living an emotionally wreck and you find yourself vulnerable for the spirit of discouragement. I want to talk to you about that today. And we're going to look, you, you really can't talk discouragement without going to the book of Nehemiah. And talking and reading the story of Nehemiah. And I know some of you are new in church and you're going, Nehemiah who? You know, there's this little book in the Old Testament called Nehemiah. And it's a powerful story that God calls Nehemiah to challenge the Jewish people to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that had been destroyed. And, and here's what I want you to grab because get a picture of the wall of Jerusalem. It's not like this privacy fence in your backyard. Okay, where is it at? It's coming. There it is. Uh, I'm standing on the Mount of Olives when we take this picture in, in the Hebron Valley, and there's the eastern gate that Jesus is going to walk through when he reenters the city of Jerusalem. And, and here's the wall, and it goes all the way around the city of Jerusalem. Now, here's your little more perspective of the wall. It's not little. And this is the western wall or the wailing wall, and I was praying. I prayed at that wall on two different occasions for you and your families and it's amazing, but the wall's been destroyed, but it's not the first time because the city of Jerusalem has been hated and troubled from the beginning of time. And the reason of that is Jesus set his temple in Jerusalem for the first time with King David. And through King David, he established and told David to build his temple in Jerusalem that that was going to be the place that he was going to dwell with his people and that's why Jerusalem has been hated from the beginning because the, the whole name Jerusalem means the city of God, the place where God dwells. And that's why the world has hated Jerusalem from the beginning. They still hate it today, but it's still God's and you can't do anything about it. And you can't have it and you're not going to divide it either because God says no. But here's the thing, that this is not the first time the wall's been destroyed. It's been destroyed over and over again. The wall that we see now is not the wall that, Jeremiah, that Nehemiah had rebuilt. It was destroyed again after that. And so there's always been this attack against the city of Jerusalem. But here's what I want you to get. Nehemiah, the walls have been torn down. Let's go ahead and go to the scripture so you can see it. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Read it with me. Getting ahead of myself. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and I also questioned them about Jerusalem. Watch this. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And I want you to grab this because there's a word that you have to add to the end of that, and it's called again. The walls have been broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire again. And we've got to rebuild it again if we're going to have a place for God to dwell. And can I tell you today that life is that way, isn't it? That you get through the battle, you get through the storm, you overcome the trial, you move on, and guess what? Trouble comes again, and it comes to discourage you. 
And you have to rebuild the emotional walls back up in your life. You have to rebuild the spiritual walls in your life. You're constantly, I'm constantly having to rebuild those walls. And if you don't understand that, you will fall trapped to the spirit of discouragement. And so I want to look at this today because the broken down walls, the ruins of Jerusalem, they are a, a, a picture a picture of a life that has lost its defense against the attacks of mankind, against the lies open to repeat hurt in our life, disappointment and misery. The Old Testament is the type and shadow of that which is to come. And so the picture of Jerusalem is the type and shadow of what God is wanting to say to us today because God does not just dwell in Jerusalem today, but the Bible says that, that we as the believers of God, the New Testament church, that man has become the dwelling place of God. The, the scripture put it like this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, how many's glad today that you didn't have to come here to meet with God, that he was already dwelling inside of you before you got here, but I chose to bring his spirit with me and inside of me together with other believers of like faith and honor him and glory him, glorify him in my worship and my praise today because Christ is alive in me, the hope of glory. And it's a type and shadow that just like in the type and shadow that the walls of Jerusalem had to be rebuilt, God's saying, you are now my dwelling place, but guess what? The same opposition that comes against the natural city is coming against your spiritual city. And many in here today, God wants me to help you rebuild your walls because the enemy has you in a pit of discouragement. And God's saying today is your day to come out in Jesus' name. Are you all ready to go? Okay, just putting a foundation where you know where we're at. So looking at that, I want to go to Nehemiah now, and I want to show you four points starting off that shows us what caused their discouragement. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10, let's read it together. The people of Judah said, the work crews are worn out. Anybody? Just wore out, man, just tired. The work crews are worn out. There's too much rubble, and we cannot continue to rebuild the wall. Four reasons that people became discouraged. Number one, is fatigue. You become discouraged when you get tired. And fatigue begins to set into your heart. When you're physically and emotionally exhausted, you're a prime candidate to be infected with this thing called discouragement. Can I say that again? When you are physically and emotionally exhausted, you have become prime candidate for this attack of discouragement. And, and it was the same way with the Jewish people. It's the same way today. Your defenses are lowered and things become exaggerated during a time of exhaustion. Am I right about it? I mean, when you're, when you're healthy and you're strong and you're full of energy and the enemy throws that lie up in your face and you go, oh, we got that, man. We got that. I, I ain't listening to that. That doctor's report means nothing to me. I don't care what that banker said. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his dream. You got it, man, but you let yourself get fatigued and exhausted and tired and let them drop you a pink slip. We're broke, homeless, going to die on the street. The doctor said, you got a headache. I got a tumor. I'm dying. It runs in the family. I knew it was coming. What is it? Man, I'm, I'm looking for discouragement. I'm looking for a reason to be discouraged because I'm tired. I'm fatigued. Number two is frustration. Frustration. You see, when unfinished tasks or expectations begin to pile up, you begin to feel overwhelmed. When trivial matters 
or unexpected situations interrupt you from accomplishing what you really need to do, frustration can easily turn into discouragement. It happens in our marriage, doesn't it? You know, I don't know why she won't listen to me and change like I want her to. Been 35 years with this woman, and she's still the same. No, no, you know why? Your finances, your health, frustration comes in when you don't see the changes that that you want to see because you're tired and you're fatigued. And when that begins to happen, you begin to exaggerate things, and you begin to make them bigger than what they really are. The doctor said you got the flu. You ain't dying next week. The counselor said your marriage is in trouble. That doesn't mean it's over. You, you got to come and grab hold that you can't become frustrated because of what's happening around you. And that's what the enemy wants to do is, number one, he wants to get you tired and fatigued. And then he wants to get you frustrated. And when you become frustrated, it turns into this thing called failure. Failure brings ultimate discouragement. Sometimes your best effort in life is not enough. Why? Because it involves other people. Because life is never lived by itself. And I don't care if it's your marriage, your family, your children, your home, your career, your job. Life involves other people. And when you let other people's response to you control and determine your life, you're going to fail every time. Because you will never live up to everyone else's expectation around you because they want you to become the person they refuse to. Watch parents today try to relive their childhood through their kids. It's going to be the best ball player in the world because you weren't. Watch them. 50-year-olds out there in knee socks in a sports car trying to act 16. Just, you're 55, dude. Get a pontoon boat and a van, all right? But failure, failure, man. The enemy wants to come and get you to grab hold of this thing called failure. You do your very best and no one around you responds. No support seems to come your way. And how do you react? You can react several ways. Number one, you can go into pity trip. You can start blaming others. You can walk away or you can just quit and give up on life. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do is let other people determine your success and your worth. And then number four, I, I like what I, I read this one guy said talking about this thing called failure. He said, just when I thought I could make ends meet, someone moved my in. Does that happen to anybody besides me? I mean, I finally, I got there, I got there. Thank God we made it. And no, we didn't. We got some more. She's happy at home. She's happy. She's happy, God, you did it. And you go home and it was a bad day for her at work. She ain't happy. Some more work to do. Number four is fear. Fear. Because fear is behind far more discouragement than we want to admit. Fear is gripping many of our hearts. We live in a society that wants to make us fear. Fear everything. You see, fear of criticism. What, what are others thinking about me? Fear of responsibility. What if I can't handle the task that's been given to me? Fear of failure. What if I blow it? 
I don't complete what I was called to do. Fear moves more people into a place of discouragement than you can imagine. And there's four things that, that, that God wants you. And I, I'm bringing those up today because I want to move on that if you're, if you're in one of those, then you need to identify today the enemy's attacking me with discouragement because now I'm going to help you get out. Okay, you with me? And so first I need you to identify. I'm here to help you as a pastor today. Is that all right? Because I deal with this topic right now. Can I be honest with you? Because life's a roller coaster ride when you're in a battle. And one day you're on the mountaintop just, I got this. And the next day you're going, where did the mountain go? Come on, with me? All right? And so let's go. Number one, what's the cure for discouragement? So Nehemiah, he points out the four causes of discouragement, but then he brings four solutions. And here they are. Number one, if you're battling discouragement, number one, you got to start resting your body. you got to find some rest. Because what was the first cause of discouragement? Fatigue tiredness, exhaustion. The enemy wants to get you there. And the first remedy for exhaustion and, and discouragement to defeat it is you got to learn to rest your body. And that's hard for me because I'm a workaholic. I wake up going full blast and go to bed going full blast. I, I sleep very few hours a night. I'm going, going, going. My mind says, when I, my wife says, when I wake up, in my mind, I'm already dressed, showered, shoes on, and I'm already at work an hour ago. She's just like, your brain's like, boom, there you go, you know? And she just floats into life, all right? And that's why God put us together, okay? To help keep me sane. But I, I'm a workaholic. I love doing what I do. I love to work. All right, but there's a danger in that because I never took a break. I never took a rest, and that's why at 38 years old, I was wearing three heart monitors 24 hours a day about to die because I didn't learn how to rest. I'm learning that now. My wife's a good coach, and she's teaching me, but you got to, I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes. Rest always precedes rule. Rest always precedes rule. You will never rule an area of your life that you don't learn to first rest in it. You will never rule in your marriage until you rest in it. Some of you need to go watch the war room. If you hadn't seen it, go watch it like five times because you got to learn how to rest in God, man, and know that God's promises are true and he's true to his word. Let God fight your battle and you you rest in it. You got to learn how to rest before. You got to learn how to rest in your financial situations before you're going to rule in it. You got to learn how to rest in your family crisis before you're going to rule in it. You got to learn how to rest in your ministry before you're going to rule in it. You got to learn how to rest. And and we've got to realize today, man, life is so busy, isn't it? It's so busy. It'll run you to death. And you've got to come and learn how to rest before you rule. If you're burning the candle on both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. I need to say that again, and I'm one of those that battles that, but if you're burning the candle on both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. Your light's dimmer than you think because you've got it divided. you got to get your light on one end and learn how to rest on the other. And you'll find that my wife's helped me. I, I, I would work seven, eight. They say preaching one message is equal emotionally and physically to working eight hours a day. Well, after three of these, I'm tired. Can I be honest with you? I'm not tired on Sunday. I'm, I'm wired. But boy, when Monday morning hits, I am 57. I feel 25 right now, but in the morning about 8 o'clock, I'm 57 years old. I'm done. You do not want me to counsel you on Monday, all right? I'll tell you, kick him out, shoot the dog, run the neighbor out, burn the house down. You do not want to meet with me on a Monday morning. 
ain't happening. I'll empty this church quick. Why? I'm tired. And I listen, I have to acknowledge that. So my wife and I on the way here, we plan. We plan every day. And so tomorrow morning, we're, we go away on Monday mornings usually, and we get away because my nature is if I'm here, I'm going to work. So she throws me in the car, and here we go somewhere. And so I do nothing but rest because you've got to learn rest precedes rule. Can somebody receive that today? Number two. All right, let's go to Psalms. Psalms 62.1. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Come on. We've got to learn how to silently wait in God's presence and rest and rest. And, and let me throw this in. Don't mistake lazy for rest because God don't bless lazy. And neither do I. I can't stand lazy. I just inherited it from my dad. I don't hang out with lazy people. I rebuke you. Amen. Amen. God gave you a life to live. You need to do something positive with it. And don't sit. So don't mistake five days at home in a recliner watching TV as resting. That's called lazy, and God ain't blessing it. All right? Okay, just need to throw that in so I could rest today. All right? Number two is you need to reorganize your life. Some of you need to reorganize some stuff because your life's what's discouraging you. You need to reorganize some things. Discouragement doesn't always mean you're doing the wrong thing. Maybe you're doing the right thing the wrong way or with the wrong people. Thank you for the one-hand clap. That's my cousin. I'll take you out to lunch. All right. Okay. But you can do the right thing with the wrong people and live discouraged because they're all discouraged and just being around them is discouraging to you. Help me in here just a little bit, all right? Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Failing to plan is planning to fail. And many of you here today, you need to try a new approach because what you're doing now is not working. Life is unhappy. You're discouraged. You feel defeated. You feel like you're going nowhere. So why keep doing it that way? Are you with me? Shake some things up in your life. We preached last Sunday. Just stay with me, though. We preached last Sunday on how do I change. One of the ways I said you got to make a break. you got to break away from some of the things that you're doing. Break away from some of the patterns that you're in. Some of you know that on Friday night you're going to a certain place with certain people, and you know you're going to mess up before you ever get there, so why do you go? Knowing that on Saturday you're going to wake up feeling miserable and spend all day repenting to God so you can come to church Sunday and feel okay. That's good preaching. We had not took the offering yet, so remember that, all right? Okay? Add something positive to your daily life. Reschedule some things. Take away things that are negative. You need to avoid some negative people. Don't quit loving them. Don't quit praying for them. But you need to stop giving them your joy and your purpose in life and living miserable so that you can satisfy their relationship when it's doing nothing positive for yours. Change the people you hang out with, the places you go. 
Last week I gave you the rule of five, but I did it very quickly, and I want to take just two minutes to explain it to you because I want to challenge everyone in this church to do this. Our staff does it. It's written on our board in our room that we meet every Tuesday, and we hold each other accountable to it. And John Maxwell is the one that originated, brought this and made it available. But five things that you have to do in your life every day to reach your dreams and be successful in where you want to go in life. And many of us have nothing. We just wake up and go, whatever will be, will be. And guess what? It will be. It will be miserable. Because how can you get somewhere if you don't know where you're going? And so you can't just exist if you're going to be happy and fulfilled in life. You've got to have a plan. And so there's five things that you've got to figure out. What five things do I have to do in my life every day that these have to take place whether other things get done or not? Here's my five. Number one is I, have, I must have my devotion time with God every morning, my time of worship, my time in the Word, my time with Him. Number two is I must have 30, 45 minutes with that beautiful lady on the front row that I pick on a lot up here that I love to death, but we live life together, man. She's my best friend. And every morning, we've got to sit down with some coffee and just talk life and, and talk our future. We're planning our vacation two years from now. We're, we're living life, man. We're loving life together. I've got to have some time with her every morning before I have time with the rest of the world. I've got to write every day of my life. I've got to write. I've got to have a time in my day that I write. I'm working on my sermons. I'm working on curriculum that we're writing for a school of ministry. I'm working on our bylaws as a church. I'm writing books. I've got to write every day because that's what God's called me to do and I love doing it. Number four is I've got to exercise every day that I want to take care of this body. I want to do this for a long, long time. And then number five is I've got to touch somebody's life in a positive way every day. Every day I've got to do a simple act of kindness to somebody that's that divine connection that God's put in my life. That's my five. I've got to do those every day, and my staff knows that, so anything else that gets planned in my day has to work around those five. Because if those don't get done, I'm not going where I'm supposed to go. Are you with me? I want to challenge you, figure out what your five are and write them down, and then make sure they happen every day. Are y'all with me today? Can y'all do? Get, promise me you'll do that? How, how can I do that? Number one, if you haven't, go through Grow Track. If you haven't gone through Grow Track 301, step one, just come on out tonight, get a free meal at 6 o'clock. If you've not been through Grow Track 301, you're going to love it because the beautiful lady on the front row again is going to teach tonight. She's way better looking than me and her son that teach the other two first ones, all right? So come out tonight at 301, and, and she's going to help you find your purpose and your giftings tonight and discovery. It's awesome. That's the way you can get started on rescheduling your life. Number two, get in a small group. 27 new small groups this semester just started. There's an orange tent out there. There's men's small group, women's small group, youth small group, all kind of small groups out there. A couple I want to highlight. If you are married, if you're married, if you're married, go hoorah. That was so sad. If you're married, will you do a real hoorah like you really glad you're married in here? Just a All right. Let's feel better. Let's exchange sermons right there. All right. We have a class, a small group called Re-Engage. It's for married couples. If you have not been through that, this doesn't mean your marriage is in trouble. Every marriage in this church needs to go through that small group. Kathy and I went through it. The material is amazing. It will help. How many knows if you sow into something, you'll reap in it? And I challenge every married couple that can, be here Tuesday night at 6.30 for Re-Engage. We have a, a small group on Thursday evenings at 6.15 in the back called The Most Excellent Way. If you're dealing with dependencies of, of drug, alcohol, 
alcohol, pornography, hurt, offenses, anything that's owning your life. Get back there on Thursday nights at 6.15 for 13 weeks and watch God bring transformation in your life. If you don't add something different into your journey, nothing is going to change. Are you with me? So get out there under the orange tent today if you're not part of a small group and connect with one. Because here's the issue. When you know your why, your what begins to make sense. But too many of us are trying to live out the what and we don't know the why. Let me give you an example. I'm going to ask Shirley to help me. And she, I called her on the spur of the moment this morning. And, and just do us a little bit of amazing grace. Just the old hymnal. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Okay, how many believe she could sing? <clears throat> Shirley, I want you to help me today because I want you to. I want you to picture you're in a funeral right now and there's, there, there's people out there all over that, that, that facility that don't know Jesus. and They've come today and, and now I want you to sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace The sound that saved a wretch like me. so blind but now I, I can see can you see the difference the first time she was doing the what the second time was the why and many of you in here today, you're discouraged because you're trying to live out the what and you had not figured out the why yet. But when you connect with God's why in your life, discouragement is defeated and purpose comes in Jesus' name. Number two is you got to remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. 
Learn to start your day remembering the promises of God. I, I shared this yesterday morning. I've got to quickly go so we can close. But I, I talked about the tabernacle prayer. And, and I want to challenge you. At those that every Saturday morning now at 9 o'clock, we've got prayer here for one hour, praying for this service right here and praying for our city and the other churches. And it's been dynamic. And I'm asking every person in this church to come out at least once a month on Saturdays and pray with us. And Tuesdays at 6 o'clock, those that can come. And it's been dynamic. But I shared yesterday that to start your day, and I, I use this prayer so often, the tabernacle prayer, but can you imagine how the enemy just frets when, and how God, we have his attention when you wake up every morning and you start that prayer and you walk into that outer court and, and, and when you come into the outer court, the outer court's a place of thanksgiving and praise and Jesus said, let us enter his courts with thanksgiving in our heart. Enter his, his, court, enter his, his courts with praise and thanksgiving in our heart. But he, he's saying, can you imagine when you come into God's court and, and there's thanksgiving and you're just going, Lord, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for who you are today. I thank you for the breath that I have to breathe today. Thank you, Lord, that you're God of my life today. And, and you walk into that outer court and then you go over to a brazen altar. And the brazen altar represents the cross. And God, I just thank you today for the cross of Jesus. And, and I thank you, Lord, for your blood that you shed, Jesus, on the cross. And, and that you that knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God. God in Christ Jesus that you bore my sins in your body on the cross and, and you go over to the brazen laver and you examine yourself in that morning and you say God search my heart, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. Renew in me a right spirit God and sinners can be converted unto you today through my life and then you enter into that holy holy place and in the inner court and there's a table of shoe bread and the table of shoe bread is there the candlesticks there, the altar of incense is there and you go to that candlestick and it represents the Holy Spirit and Father I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's alive in my life today that you lead me and guide me that you're breathing life into me today and I go to the, the table of shoe bread which means the word of God and I thank you for your word it's a lamp unto my feet a light unto my path it guides me today it brings promises into my world I go to the altar of incense which is worship and today I just want to worship you today with the first fruit of my life. I want to worship you with the first fruit of my day. Before I ever see that world, I want to come and offer you myself and offer you my praise. And then you enter into the Holy of Holies and there's the Ark of the Covenant, the intercession with God that when I don't know how to pray the Holy Spirit is making intercession for the will of God in my life. Oh, come on. I'm talking about when you come in and all of a sudden you begin to remember the promises of God, what you're doing when you offer God your first fruits every morning is you're telling God, here's your word. I'm reminding you of the promises that you've given me. I'm going to walk them out today. Amen. Begin to live out the promises of God because every one of us has to understand that the enemy wants to come to discourage you to steal God's word out of your life. You've got to come today and grab hold of those promises. And then number three, when we, we grab hold of this, we realize what's true in God is you got to resist. You got to resist discouragement. You got to you got to reorganize your life. Then you've got to come and realize the promises of God, and then you've got to resist discouragement. Because it's going to come against you. It's going to hit you head on. I deal with it, man. I deal with it. It it, it happens to me often right now with my with my grandson and with my brother. And, and there's mornings, Kathy, I'll tell you, it was just like you got so much faith and you see that sign and out of nowhere, 
You got a red light, man. It's like, bam, it hits you and you got to reach, you got to shake it. You got to go, no, I'm not going there. I've got a miracle coming. There's a miracle coming. I, I'm still going to watch him play ball. I'm still going to see that miracle happen. And that discouragement, the enemy wants to come and throw that discouragement at you and, and put it back in your lap. And you got to resist that. You got to constantly resist it and say, no, you got to fight back. You got to stop letting dissatisfaction of the past and distaste of the present and distrust in the future own and control your feelings and your emotions. You got to stop it can't let it happen. The enemy wants to bring that in your marriage. You feel like you got it, and then all of a sudden you see another battle, and finances were there, and then you realize you're not quite there yet. And, and the miracle you need in that family situation or that healing is, I finally got there, and then you realize there's another hurdle to jump and another mountain to climb, and, and the enemy wants to come and overwhelm you with this spirit of discouragement. And I want to tell you today, you can't go there and here's what I want to encourage you before you quit. You need to stop having a discussion with the enemy and start having a declaration with your God. Can I say that again? You need to stop sitting down and having a discussion with the enemy who's the enemy of your soul and start having a declaration with God of his promises that are in your life. And resist the enemy. Here's what the scriptures say. In James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Amen. Little Jabin, we're watching him the last two weeks. He's doing things he hasn't done since October, things that he totally lost. We're watching him do now. It's part of that miracle. They're baby steps, and we'll take them, man, you know? And, and, and I ain't, I'm not, I'm just, I always try to be transparent, man. I went through two days of just battle this past week, just battle. I, it wasn't like I was in a pit of discouragement, but I could tell the cloud was there. Does that make sense to you? It's just like, man, I'm not going, I'm not going, but it was like right there, you know? And no, I'm not going, I'm not going there. And it was just, it was a battle. And I was taking him to, his, uh, to Holly to watch him that day, and, and he was tired, and he was slumped over in his seat in the back, and he was just down like this, and he was just staring. And I stopped at a red light, and you got to understand, in my mind, right then, I'm in this battle. I'm, I'm battling, resisting the enemy right now, you know, as I'm watching him slumped over. And Jabin has not been focusing on us at all because it affects his eyesight. And, and you can tell he's looking a lot of times to see what's going on. And I reached back and put my hand on his foot, at the red light, and he's down like this. And I said, Javen, I said, Papa loves you, man. Papa loves you more than you'll ever know. And I promise you, he's like this, and he goes. And he just stares at me the whole time until I take off. I'm going to tell you something, man. You might as well have resurrected the dead in front of me. You hear what I'm saying? It was like me and God had a hallelujah camp meeting all the way to the babysitter, man. I'm bawling, I'm slobbering everywhere, you know, just like, you are amazing, you're amazing. That may not mean a lot to you, but man, it was like a life change for me because I was, I was at that moment of the enemy being right there and I had it regrouped me, man. It was like, God, look what you just did. Look what you just did. If you can do that, you can do the rest. And, and you've got to come today and I'm trying to tell you, you've got to resist the enemy. Don't sit down and have a debate or a conversation with him. Get him out of your life. Get him out of your mind. Stop looking for the symptom and start looking for the cure. Look for your breakthrough. 
Don't let the enemy win. And I close with this last scripture in Psalms 40. Is this helping you? Yes. Psalms 40, verse 1 through 3, one of my favorite scriptures. I waited patiently on the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of that slimy pit of discouragement, defeat, despondency. He lifted me out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I love this. He put a new song. Some of you are fixing to experience that. He put a new song in my mouth. He put a hymn of praise to God. And I love this because many will see it. They're going to fear the Lord. They're going to put their trust in him. You want to know why? Because they're going to watch you praise God in a situation that nobody else can do that with, only those who's put their faith and their trust in him. And they're going to watch you and I in the dark valleys of our life, in the times that our natural man would be sitting somewhere wallowing in our pity and in our self-pity, over here questioning everything in life. They don't see us doing that. They're seeing us live life to the fullest in the midst of our struggle because we know that God is real and he holds it all in the palm of his hand. And he's picking me up. And even in the midst of my struggle, and all the, con- the, the confusion and all the, the things that I have to deal with in my life, God is right there and he's holding me and I don't have to give in to this thing called discouragement because I have his promises. I have his promises. And today I want to challenge some of you. Move out of that place. Move out of that zone. Move out of that mindset. Move into a new place. Change some things. Reorganize some things in your life. And let God bring a spirit of peace, a spirit of joy, a place of contentment that he wants to bring in your heart and life today. Anybody receive God's word today? You receive it? Bow your heads with me. How many in this building right now would say, Pastor, right now I'm a Christian, but man, I'm battling this thing called discouragement. It's like I've been hit every way I can be hit. And I have to admit today, I found myself in one of those four positions. I'm a Christian, but I identify today there's a spirit of discouragement that's come against me. How many would lift a hand and put it right back down all over the building? Father, I pray for every person that just lifted a hand. I pray the joy of the Lord. You said with joy, we shall draw water out of the well of salvation. I pray today, Father, let a spirit of joy come where there's been an overwhelming spirit of depression and defeat, worry, anxiety, exhaustion. I pray, God, let today be a place of renewed strength, renewed vision. I pray you help them, Father, to sit down and reschedule their day, reschedule their life, put a plan of action in place, God, and walk it out and watch God do amazing things in their life. I pray it over them today in Jesus' name. How many here you would say, Pastor Dan, I'm not a bad person, but today I find myself away from God. I'm not where I need to be with God today, and I know it. And I just want you to pray a prayer for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. But how many would lift a hand and say, that's me right now? You can just raise, you can put it right back down because I want to pray for you right now. God sees your hand, and that's what matters. It's just, I know I need to make this decision today. I need to give God everything, not part of me, but all of me. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to pray for you right now. And if you raise your hand or you did not, and you want to make that choice, that decision today, would you pray this prayer with me as we all pray it with you? Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today. 
You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord, believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person. Today's a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, we give heaven praise for these many, many.